Welcome to Webs, the first Webs of the semester. All right, and so uh, congratulations, you did it. Uh, um, we are continuing our study tonight uh, in the name with the names of God, and tonight we are talking about Jehovah Jireh. Uh, this song, uh, excuse me, the this name Jehovah Jireh, Todd. Don't say it wrong. Um, it's really become popular over the last three to four years because of the Maverick City song. Um, so there's not much depth um, as far as uh, the lyric teaching us about the Hebrew uh, origin of this song, but it is a, it is a good song for sure. Um, has anybody ever heard that song? Jaira? Is it just called Jaira or Jehovah Jaira? Just Jaira. Yeah. All right. Good song. All right. Uh, so I want to tell you, uh, as you're turning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, because this is one of the first instances that we see um, this word, Jehovah Jireh, uh, mentioned in Scripture. Now, leading up to Genesis chapter 22, it's not as if the provision of God has been lacking, but we have recognized it in an emphasized way. Uh, that in Genesis chapter 22, you see it for the first time in its foreshadowing of God's provision of Jesus who is to come. And so there's, there's a lot at work here in Genesis chapter 22. And so, but, but, but saying that we have seen it for the first time in Genesis chapter 22 is not equivalent to saying that this is the first time that we have seen God provide in the Bible. Because if you go from Genesis chapter one, it is through the Lord's provision that all things were created, that he himself was the sole provider of creation. Um, Hebrews chapter one teaches us that not only is God the creator of all things, but by his provision, he is the sustainer. So as God continues to provide in this um, propitiating sense is that he is also sustaining um, creation by the power of his provision. Hebrews, the author there says, by the power of his word. But we can understand that as he is providing it himself. Here's what is interesting about um, Jehovah Jireh, is that uh, there is nothing outside of God that would cause or uh, give any further provision. So uh, what we can see in this, um, and, and this is all just kind of background before we get to Genesis 22. But what you see in, in scripture is that because um, God himself is not reliant on anything else, that is the self-sufficiency or the soul sufficiency of God, um, what we see is that there is no need for provision outside of himself. And so when we, when we get to Genesis chapter 22, you see this pictured in a very majestic, incredible, and still yet mysterious way. Because Genesis chapter 22 doesn't give us a complete framework for um, how we understand uh, the, the Christ to come. It gives us a foreshadowing of this uh, Christological view of uh, the coming Christ as our great provision. He is not only the provider, but he is the provided. And so that is interesting uh, in the way that we study this um, passage. Um, so Genesis chapter 22, um, uh, if you're there, 
you can just say, I got it. That was really weak, all right? If you got it, say, got it. Oh, man, it's good. Um, Let's start reading together in verse 1. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will, future tense, I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took with him two of his young men and his son, Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood uh, for the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife and the two of them uh, walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, my father... And he replied, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn uh, this is the Lord's declaration because you have done this thing and not and have not withheld your only son. I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And God, thank you for this picture of not only your provision, but just an incredible picture of your grace and how you bestow your mercy on our lives. And so, Father, we are in awe of you. We are in awe of um, the fact that you know the depth of our soul and the depth of our sin, and yet you still sent your son Jesus to save us. And so, Father, we praise your name. We want to glorify your name tonight. So, Father, would you give us the wisdom, the discernment um, as we study your word together so that we may magnify the name of Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
I hope you um, can recognize, and many of you most likely have uh, studied this passage before. You have heard it at the least. And um, often the way this is, is preached is in that sense of uh, Christology and the foreshadowing of Jesus to come, which is a, uh, um, uh, completely accurate. But um, I don't want to mislead you because I don't want you to think that we are missing the point of the passage as we dig into specifics of the passage as in terms of what is Jehovah Jireh and its application to us today. All right. And so I don't want you to think when you walk away from here, well, Michael just missed the entire point. I mean, it's about Jesus. Okay. It is definitely about Jesus and we will get there. Uh, I just don't want you to think that we are misusing God's word because we are being careful in the way that we are dissecting and really, really digging into what does it mean for uh, God to be our provider in the context of what we see here, not in just something that we are making up on our own in some eisegetical sense, but in the way that God's word is describing it here. Uh, I think what we see in the life of Abraham um, first is uh, that the provider who is God himself, is present, all right? The provider is present. I'm going to write this down, okay? The provider is, okay, so we'll do this. The provider, okay, I messed up. Provider, y'all remember what that says, okay? Is, I don't know how to erase The guys in the back are just going to give me such a hard time. All right. Uh, it's okay. They've given me plenty of tutorials. It's not on them. It's completely me. All right. Uh, the, the provider is present, uh, meaning that he does not turn his back on his people. We see this over and over again in scripture. What we need to recognize is that in his provision is that it is God who provides his presence in our lives. You see this with Abraham. Um, you see this throughout uh, the story of Abraham, not just here in Genesis 22, but from Genesis 12 on, you see that the presence of God is heavy in Abraham's life. This is, uh, cannot be separated from God's provision. All right, so uh, the fact that he gifts us in provision uh, is recognizable to say that he provides his presence. Okay. And so we cannot understand that in any other way, because uh, if God does not provide it, you and I don't have it. Right. If God does not provide it, then you and I cannot receive it. You and I don't have it. What I mean by that is that there's nothing that Abraham could have done on his own to gain God's presence. There's nothing that Isaac could have done. There's nothing that uh, Jacob uh, could have done. Uh, there's nothing that you and I in the New Testament sense uh, can do to gain um, God's presence. I, I mean, this is completely clear. In fact, uh, this is the point uh, primarily of the veil of the temple is that it was a, it was a clear marker that this is the provision to this point of God's presence. 
Okay, if you go beyond this, unless you are of the priesthood, of, unless you are of this line, and unless you walk through the process of cleansing yourselves, this is what has been provided, and this is the limit of that provision as far as God's presence throughout the Old Testament. What you see with Abraham is, is the presence of God on his life, and what we see is that it is not because Abraham has done anything to gain that. Okay, so that's how we need to recognize God's presence in our lives is that it is because of his gracious provision. It is his merciful provision that you and I could ever experience the presence of God. You know, I think this is what is absolutely um, incredible about God's word. All right, so this Sunday, here's a sneak peek, uh, but this Sunday as if you were really anticipating. I mean, I know you're on the edge of your seats to know what we're doing on Sunday. All right, but I'm really excited uh, because, um, you know, in this um, series, we're talking about distinct. What makes the church distinct from any other people? All right, what is it about the church that makes us distinct? Um, you remember that we are to be set apart. We are to be holy. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We are to be set apart for and with the holiness of God. And so what makes us distinct? Um, this Sunday, last Sunday, we talked about we have a distinct purpose. This Sunday, we're talking about that you and I have been provided with a distinct word. That, that this is incredible. You, you know, there, there is no other um, uh, piece of literature um, that all things are dependent upon. It is only God's word. Everything else flows out of in a, in a very clear sense of uh, literacy that everything flows from and began with God's word. So we can actually say that God's word is foundational for all human thought. Okay, not just writing, but for all human thought that nothing could come about from a human mind that is not penned in God's word. Okay, that's how powerful God's word is just in a practical sense. I can tell you're really impressed with that. But, um, but in another sense, um, it is the only thing that, uh, only book that is living. It is the only book that is active in someone's life. Now, why do I even talk about? Because it is God who provided this revelation that we may know who he is. So uh, when we talk about Jehovah Jireh, we cannot um, take these things that he has provided for granted because uh, we often pass through them. There's nothing that you and I have gained uh, from his presence. Uh, there's nothing that you and I, uh, excuse me, there's nothing we have done to gain his presence. There's nothing we have done to gain his word. There's nothing that we have done to gain his favor. All of these things have been provided because he alone is Jehovah Jireh. No one else can make that claim. No one else can make a claim that they are the provider. And we often say uh, that men are the provider, breadwinner, I don't know what that means, but a provider of the home. Have y'all heard that? It's just old school. I'm, I'm very old school, okay? Um, everyone on staff makes fun of me for being a 65-year-old man in a 35-year-old body, Okay. But the provider, uh, what that means in a biblical sense is that you are not the provider. What you're doing is you are stewarding on behalf of your family what has been provided to you, right? 
Um, so many times we think of things in this way that we kind of take for granted and that we aren't cautious with our words. Uh, but this is what we also see is that the provider is uh, generous. The provider is generous. Um, and what do we mean by that? Listen what Abraham said in verse 8. He says, Abraham said uh, that the Lord, um, God himself, will provide the burnt offering for our sacrifice. I think this is a, an incredible display of faith. Um, he was sure that this is going to be provided for. He had a confidence that this is going to be provided for because what he says is that God himself, which means God himself is doing the work that provision uh, would be uh, made, uh, that provision would be done, that, that, that Abraham and Isaac, that they would experience provision not because of them, but because of what God is providing to them. This is a generous God, the one who owns all things. The one who owns uh, the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who um, that we have already identified as the creator of all things, he never let loose of those things. That nothing, uh, the earth is his footstool. Um, and his dominion will last forever. What that means is that God is in complete control of the earth. He's in complete control of the universe, everything within um, those things. And he says that even though I own and have all these things, uh, I am the one that is going to provide this for you. This is a generous perspective. This isn't a greedy perspective. This isn't a greedy God. This is a generous God. And this is what we see as far as generosity, as we are taken into, I mean, we see over and over again from uh, the Apostle Paul, we see how, how um, he talks about that he has um, lavished his grace out on us, meaning that he has, he has given freely his grace. He has uh, given generously of his grace, of himself uh, to his people. For those who would believe and trust in him, it says that, uh, that he poured out his grace, meaning that a generous portion, and not a generous portion of what belongs to someone else. Uh, here's what is easy. Um, if you give me $100, um, it is very easy for me to be generous with your $100, right? But it's different when it's uh, the $100 that you earned, you worked for, and then you, it's, it's, it's more difficult to be generous with that $100. Does y'all know what I'm talking about? But with the Lord... He owns all of it, and he keeps none for himself. He gives all of it. He says that you are going to be co-heirs with my son, Jesus Christ, meaning that everything I have belongs to you. I mean, that's pretty generous, don't you think? Um, this is the generosity of God. See, the provision of God, um, because of the nature of its generosity, should shape our understanding of generosity in our own lives. Because here's what, um, we just had this conversation. Um, for uh, Reagan and Rowan's birthday, they, they both have December birthdays. One of them is on one day, the other's on another day. Don't ask me which one. Uh, my wife puts it in my calendar for me, but actually Jennifer does. But anyways, um, so they got money for their birthday, all right, from my parents. Each of them got 
money. And so every time they receive money, we go through three things, okay? Just like you probably did. Um, I say, okay, so this is what the Lord has given to you. We always say that. <clears throat> Nana and Paul did not give you that money. Uh, it was given to you through them by God himself, okay? And the Lord is now allowing you to steward this money, okay? So we always talk about, look at what the Lord has given you, all right? So this is how we are to steward this, all right? So you can, uh, you, you give to the church some, you save some, and you spend some. Now, we don't give percentages or anything like that because uh, Rowan in first grade will just look at me crazy anyways. But we say you give to the church. All right, that's your first fruits. All right, your first action is to give um, whatever you pray through. And we teach that we are trying to teach them to pray through it, not just to say, okay, you got $100, 10%, that's 10 bucks. All right, you give $10 to the church and that's it. Because what if the Lord lays on Reagan's sweetheart to give $50? Okay, and so anyways, we want it to shape our own generosity by the way that God has been generous in his provision in our lives. And that when we understand God's provision, uh, this is what should happen in our own lives because this is what he did, right? Um, John three sixteen says that for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is the way that God showed his love to the world is that he would not only give what belongs to him, but he would give Jesus his one and only son. Uh, the third thing that we see is that uh, the provider is timely. You ever been in a pinch just in your own walk with the Lord? Um, I remember when Katie and I were uh, in seminary, we moved, I, I say that I retired from the fire department, but there's no retirement after five years of service. So I just quit apparently. And um, we moved to Fort Worth and um, our church was so generous uh, in sending us off. Uh, they sent us off with $1,200. Why are you laughing? <laughs> All right. Because uh, no joke, and Katie and I both looked at each other like, cannot believe they gave us $1,200. What? Oh my word. Like we are rich. Like, what are we going to do with all this? Um, and then I got my seminary bill. All right. And then, uh, but I remember us um, moving to Fort Worth, um, no jobs lined up, no nothing. Okay. And we're in this uh, housing there. And um, I remember no joke when I had to pay tuition for that semester. And it was after the discounts and after everything, it was like $980, which was significant financial aid, by the way. Uh, for an entire semester of school, $980 is what I had to pay then. I think I had to pay some else later. But anyways, um, so that $1,200 uh, went to $220 very fast. And, um, and, and literally, uh, we were so scared to go to the grocery store. Like we were scared to death to buy anything to spend. And uh, has anybody ever been there? Okay, you know the feeling, right? It's, it's not fun, uh, but there's something so special Amen. about trusting in the provision of God. Right. You know, I, I think that it's some of God's most generous work to us to let us be desperate for him. Because when we are desperate, 
We have this unique yearning for the presence of God, just as he has provided. He provides his presence, he provides generously, and he provides timely. There will never be a time that God's timing is not perfect in your life. That is clearly some of the most peaceful moments I've ever had is really trying to figure out, okay, we have $30 for the next week. How can we make it stretch? And just being satisfied with knowing that God has called us here. God has put us here. He's going to provide. He's going to make a way. It doesn't make sense, but he's going to provide. Can you imagine what Abraham was thinking with Isaac? Just walking together? With his son, which, by the way, was a promise to God's provision through Abraham. And now you're wanting me to sacrifice my son. It doesn't make sense. And can you imagine at the point of raising the blade? Okay, surely along the first walk. Okay, God, you're going to call it off. No, gather the wood. Gather the fire. Now Isaac's starting to ask, okay, where's, where's the uh, animal that we're going to, you know, sacrifice here? Okay, well, God, you're going to call it off now. Isaac's asking a bunch of questions. You got to call it off. No. Keep going. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm walking. Okay, the edge is right there. Tell me to stop any moment now. I'm walking. Okay, nope, just keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. And then to the point that where the blade is in, in Abraham's hand, he has bound his son to this altar that they made on the mountain. And this isn't fictitious, by the way. You know, so many times when we think of, even in the Lord as Jehovah Jireh, we, we still think of it in, in fictitious ways. That somehow it's still up to me. I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Um, but this is a real story with real people, with real characters, just like you and me. And at the point of raising his blade, okay, I guess God's not going to call it off. He's going to provide a way somehow differently. Okay, here it is. Can you imagine coming to terms with that? And then at the point of almost bringing it down, that's when the angel of the Lord stops him. God's timing is always perfect for your life. There is never a time that God's timing is imperfect. I think there's a lot of assurance in that. How many times do we go through trials in life and like, this is the worst time possible. Lord, why now? And it's so good to be reminded that God's provision is never short and it is never a day late. That's been my motto my whole life, but not the Lord's. It is never a dollar short. It is never a day late. It is always the perfect amount. It is always what you need. And it is always at the exact timing that is necessary for your life. And here is what is incredible is that as you continue to walk through and trust God's provision, what it does is it builds a greater faith in you, which in return draws you into God's presence in greater ways, that you trust him in greater ways, that your faith is growing 
in such a way that you're going to step even further next time. You're going to go further next time. And this is why God makes his promise. Abraham, because of your obedience in me, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. Listen, we cannot separate provision from obedience. And here's what is interesting. Um, God's provision is never, okay, it's, it's hard to say never. God's provision is not separated from your labor. So this cannot be a means of where we can say, well, God will provide. And then nonchalant, naively, or, or at least presumptuously walk off. And then we don't have to worry about anything. I don't need to pay that bill. God will provide somehow. Okay, I don't need to pay that. I'm just going to leave it on the desk. Leading up to this great provision of the ram was days and days and days of active labor and effort from Abraham. I mean, from the very beginning of this story, it says, uh, take your son. So Abraham got up early in the morning, okay, saddled his donkey, he split wood for a burnt offering. He set out to go to a place that God had told him about. Listen, uh, he was not effortless in receiving God's provision. Now, is it dependent on his effort? No. Okay, so we can't say that, but it's not separate from his labor and his effort. These two things always go hand in hand together. God's provision is never dependent on you. Why? Because he alone is the provider. You are not going to shape God's decision. But somehow in the mystery of God's interaction with man, that our labor, our work, our efforts, our how we are blessed by God and all of these things, they go hand in hand with God's provision. Not dependent, but not separate. And so I want to keep uh, going, but we're out of time. Um, and, I, and I told Jennifer tonight, I said, hey, uh, make sure I stop at 625 because I have to teach at 630 at the young adults uh, thing tonight. I failed, all right? Um, but this is what I want to do. Um, I, I want to pray for us as we dismiss. I know a lot, I left a lot of meat on the bone and I'm very sorry, um, but uh, maybe we'll do a podcast on this or something, all right? Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your provision God, let us never take it for granted and let us never take it lightly. God, we know that you own all things. You have all things in the palm of your hand. And so, Father, we are just so grateful that you would ever allow us to steward any portion of what belongs to you. Father, we have no reason for you to trust us. But, Father, because you're gracious, Lord, you provide um, just as you provide and clothe the flowers of the fields, Father, you clothe us, you feed us. And so let us not take it for granted. Remind us of your great provision in Jesus, how he alone is the provision for our salvation. And so God, thank you for that picture tonight uh, through your servant, Abraham and Isaac. And so Father, help us as we leave here to be more like you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen. 